So I'm going to begin um, at the beginning of the year. Stephen Tammy, um, our senior pastor at Central Vineyard, challenged us to consider what it would look like to go deep and wide with God, um, to be planted and rooted deeper in Him, that He might be able to spread us wider across the communities. Um, Steve also challenged us to be become do, um, and that's to give the year to belong um, to Jesus, um, be with be with Jesus more um, in our um, daily kind of devotional time, um, and to do what Jesus did as well. Um, and through that, we've unpacked a range of teaching over the year, and our current series is the Good Life, um, and that's exploring what it is to find the Good Life, and what culture says the good life is and how we discover the truth of God's promises um, to really know what the good life is for ourselves. So I've got a couple of questions for you. Um, who knew when they were younger or kind of growing up what they wanted to be when they grew up? Okay. Thought, but they are okay. Alison, what did you want to be? I want to work in banking. Banking? I want to work in TV. TV? I want to be a veterinarian. Yeah, Policeman. Anybody else? Over here. Yeah. What astronaut. did you want to be? An astronaut. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> what did you want to be? A feedback? I want to travel the world. Travel the world. Okay. Um, did any of those things happen? You, I was a you were a policeman before. Yeah. Anybody else? I worked in TV. It was rubbish. <laughs> well, now you know. <laughs> cool. Um, so I remember kind of being about 15 and my mum driving me somewhere one day and she was asking me what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I was kind of like, I don't know. I don't know what I want to do. Like, why does it matter? I'm 15. Um, and, <laughs> you know, she, um, and she started listing off a bunch of things like, um, <laughs> should I be a doctor? No. Um, do you want to be a nurse? I was like, no, there's too many body flu- bodily fluids involved in that. Like, I can't deal with that. Um, do you want to be a childminder? Again, too many bodily fluids. I don't want to deal with that. Um, which is kind of funny because now I'm a mum and dealing with all of that stuff. But, um, you know, and I kind of wanted to um, go to maybe think about being in the police or in the army, um, mainly because I liked programmes like The Bill and Soldier Soldier with Robson Jerome. Does anybody remember that one? Yeah, yeah that was a good one. I liked that one. Um, but um, she reminded me that it had to kind of revolve around some sort of physical exercise and so that was a no-go again. <laughs> Decided against that one. Went back to the drawing board. Um, but also I was kind of starting to think about um, whether I went to sick form or kind of what I did ready for kind of like making my way to kind of my, my ideal, what I wanted to be when I grew up. Um, so I decided I was going to go to sixth form. And whilst I wasn't very academically gifted in terms of exams and things, um, I decided that that's what I wanted to do. You know, my sisters were doing it. My mum um, kind of tried to encourage me to do something different because she knew that I was probably going to struggle. Um, and that was a positive thing, not a bad thing. <laughs> um, and you know, and I tried to, um, but I went and did. I went to sixth form, um, and I failed. I got a D in three U's, which was fairly spectacular. And uh, you know, when you kind of think about what your mum says after she said it, and go, oh, yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, I did. I did that. Um, but you know, and then I went to college, and I had loads more fun, and um, I did really, really well. And it's. But the thing is with that story is that actually, no matter what I did, no matter what kind of where I got to to where I am now, it hasn't affected my calling. It hasn't affected or defined who I am in God. Um, and as we continue to explore the meaning of the good life, we're going to look at a life of calling. Um, and so how do you discover the fundamental purpose 
that God has for your life. I'm going to just pray before we begin. Father, thank you for each and every person here this morning. I pray blessings over each and every one of us. And as I speak today, Holy Spirit, I ask you to flow through me and use me as a vessel for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to start with um, Matthew verse 3, uh, no, Matthew chapter 3, verse 3 to 7, 13 to 17. I'll get it right in a minute, sorry guys. Um, <laughs> then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptised by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptised by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now, it is proper for us to do this, to fulfil all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptised, he went up out of the water. Now at that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. A few weeks ago, Tom spoke to us about expressive individualism, and um, what that suggests is that, you know, to live a good life, we need to be authentic and fully ourselves, to not wear a mask, not to be pretending to be anybody that we're not. And there's something really good about being authentic, um, about desiring to, to be authentic and be real and not to conform to somebody else's ideas about who we should be or what we should do. But what's wrong with expressive individualism is how it tells us um, to find our authentic self. Um, it says we need to look inside of ourselves, um, but often what happens is that we're just reflecting what society says about us um, and who we should be or what we should be conforming to. Um, Tom said, um, you know, we can take ourselves out of 2019 and put ourselves into the 1800s, but we'd still have the same problem of kind of conforming to what society said that we needed to kind of believe and be and be um, and what to do. Um, and then the fact is that we're all followers, you know, we have a desire to be loved and to be seen for who we really are, but, we've, but have we chosen the right model for living the good life? It's often that we confuse our identity with what we do, with our personality, with our character traits, um, and being something or doing something like being a parent or a teacher or a friend to the lost doesn't, doesn't mean that's your identity, that is not who you are. Um, the truth is that our identity lies with who God says we are. We're accepted, we're secure and we're significant, we're a child of God. Um, and there's no better uh, model for living the good life than Jesus. You know, he's generous, he's forgiving. He's joyful, he's peaceful, he's patient, kind, truthful, free, all of those things. He's amazing, he's an amazing God. Um, but before we begin to explore our calling, we need to, take them to make sure that our foundations are built on the true identity of who God created us to be. Knowing <coughs> our identity. There we go. Um, so our primary identity is as sons and daughters of God, and how He and it's how, that's how we intended it to be from creation. Um, and living in that place of being a son or a daughter brings freedom. And um, we live in a life of being um, of loved, and it's from that place of being loved that we get to join in with what God's doing. And doing can be exhausting, especially if we're doing it out of a place of acceptance or affirmation, um, because that's not God how how God planned it. That's not how He wanted it to be. You know, doing should come out of a place of being more like Jesus, becoming more like Jesus. And we can do that by leaning into his presence. Um, and as we simply be with Jesus, we're filled by the Holy Spirit, and that gives us the strength to go out and do. Um, and, and we can get that by living from a place of rest, by living from a place of freedom, and by being dearly loved by our Father. John Calvin said, nearly all wisdom we possess, that is to say true and sound wisdom, consists of two parts the knowledge of God and knowledge of ourselves. 
Unless we are in a life-changing relationship with Jesus and with God, you know, we never fully know ourselves. We will remain unself-aware, but because we remain un-God-aware, you know, it's only by getting to know Him better will we know, will we get to know ourselves better because we're made in His image. And until you know God and until you know yourself and who you belong to and who you are as a son of daughter, you'll never fully be living that good life. There'll always be something missing. And if our identity is built on Jesus' identity as the Son of God, how did he find his identity? It says in Scripture in Matthew at Jesus' baptism, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. God said that before he did anything. You know, he hadn't done anything yet. He hadn't gone out and done any of his ministry. He hadn't performed any miracles. God affirmed him before he did any of that, so that when he came up against it, when people told him he was demon-possessed, when people told him he was completely mad and off his rocker and a, just, well, he's just a complete crazy person, you know, Jesus could say, it doesn't matter because my father says that, I'm, that he's pleased with me and he loves me. You know, our identity isn't found in what we do or what we achieve, but it's found in God and his grace. And Jesus anchored himself in the knowledge that God loves him and he's infinitely loved by his father and we can have that same knowledge. We can anchor ourselves in that same knowledge that we are loved by our father in heaven too. And we know that we're sons and daughters of God because it's half of the reason that Jesus came to earth. You know, he came to restore our relationship with God and that's why we need to know the gospel. It's the key to knowing who we really are. And the gospel isn't just about Jesus coming to take our sin. Um, you know, that's an important part, obviously. It's you know, half of the reason, it's one of the main reasons. But he also came here to restore our relationship with the Father. You know, um, Adam and Eve were walking in the, in the garden with him and, and, they, and we had the fall. You know, they, they took the fruit and they ate it and... Um, they were then taken out of the Garden of Eden. We could no longer have that really close relationship with God that we had to, that we wanted and we had originally. Um, and that's what Jesus came to do, to restore that relationship. Romans 5, verse 6 to 11 says, You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. What the, um, the Apostle Paul is saying in this text is that our works, when we look like a failure or a hypocrite, God loves us anyway. You know, Jesus chose to die for us anyway so that we can be restored to a relationship with, with our Father in heaven. How often do we feel that God has accepted us through the things that we've done? I know I do. I feel that sometimes, you know. Um, just the other day on Tuesday after the staff meeting, Tom and I went into Starbucks to get a coffee and there was a really yummy blueberry muffin looking at me and I was like I want that so I asked him to get it for me and he did um, I didn't need it I wasn't hungry I had my breakfast but I was like I want that muffin um, and then on the way back to the office I saw a homeless person just lying there asleep I did check because I wasn't sure I did check that they were just sleeping I did see them breathing it was fine um, but you know he and I, I decided that I was going to give my muffin to this person I felt like that was something that I should do I didn't need this for myself, and so I wanted to give it to this person. I, and it wasn't just that. I wanted them to know, um, you know that I've seen them and that God sees them. Um, 
And I wanted to please God, I wanted to do something nice as well, um, and all of those things. And I wanted to shine a little bit of Jesus' light into that person's life. But that act of kindness doesn't mean that God didn't already accept me for being who I am. And, for, and whether I gave it to him or not, whether I walked past and ate it for myself, God still loved me anyway, whether I did that or not. Um, and it doesn't matter what we do to earn his love and acceptance, we're accepted just because he loves us anyway. When you're experiencing difficulty in your life, how do you interpret what God is doing? Are you angry with God because what you're experiencing is painful and you feel like God sat back and watching and not doing anything? Or do you see that God's fighting battles in the spiritual realm that you may never know about and fully understand? Do you see that God may allow difficulties for your training? And do you you see that despite your circumstances, despite what you've done to earn your place in his kingdom, despite how good you are, you are infinitely loved regardless of all of those things. Religion says that I'm owed an easy and pain-free life because I was nice to that homeless man. You know, um, but actually the gospel says that despite where I'm at, whether I'm in painful, hurting times or whether I'm in the best times of my life, I know that God loves me and I can trust my future with him. I'm in safe hands. He's fighting my battles and all I need to do is just rest in him. And is yourself, your identity and self-worth based upon how other people see and perceive you? you know, are you driven by accomplishments and making sure you appear to be successful in your career or in what your children achieve and how beautiful your home is? You know, it's not wrong to have those things. It's not wrong to achieve. And it's not wrong to have a nice car and a nice house and be proud of your children. But if your identity is based on the gospel, you're free to be real, to allow others to see you where you're at and as you are, and to pursue a career and life choices based upon the person God created you to be. And when we see the gospel as it was meant to be seen, it's not about making bad people good or stamping our tickets to heaven. You know, it's restoring us to a relationship with God and us joining the mission to see his kingdom come. For us to know absolute definite that God loves us and accepts us because we're his children and not because of how, how successful we are and what we do. Before we look at um, our calling, we're going to take a quick look at Jesus' calling. I'm going to So in Matthew 3, verse 13 to 17, Jesus went to John to be baptised, and John was confused as to why Jesus wanted him to be baptised, because he was Jesus. You know, he didn't have any sins to confess. He didn't have, he didn't, he was already right with God, because he was God. You know, 100% man, 100% God. Um, so being baptised was not an outward expression of dying to his old self, and having his sins washed away um, through confession and repentance. So why did he get baptised? Jesus replied in verse 15, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. He got it. He understood. Jesus is saying here, I'm not here to deal with my own sins, but to respond to God's call on my life to identify with sinners, to die for sinners, and to satisfy God's demand for righteousness and perfect obedience. He could have spent time with people deemed successful and worthy by society's standards, but he didn't. No, his identity wasn't based on what people thought. He didn't care that he was ostracised because of he was aware of who he belonged to and that he was loved. So if Jesus is your model, you'll know that the good life is found in the call of God in our lives and not created by looking inside of ourselves to figure out what we want or who we are. <clears throat> so what is God calling us to do? He's calling us into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Romans 1 verse 6 says, And you are all... And you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 9 says, God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. 
Now, however much you hate your job, or you love your job, or how well you know yourself, or if you're living in a life of purpose, the central meaning and purpose of life are found in your relationship with God. You know, the only thing that will satisfy the deepest desires of your heart is a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. St. Augustine said, Lord, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Our relationship with Christ needs to take priority over everything else. And we can see that with, with the disciples, you know. Um, Peter and Andrew said, come um, with Peter and Andrew, Jesus said, come to me and follow me. And so they put down their nets and they followed him. They just stopped what they were doing and they went and followed Jesus. And the same with James and John. They left their father and their families. And these guys have lived in a time where family and uh, being like having a family was the most priority that you could have, you know. Um, that was the most important thing to do in society, to, to honour your family. But Jesus called them to have a relationship with him and to take, um, for that to take priority over everything. And so, you know, our first calling is to an unconditional, unreserved relationship with Christ. We're also called to relationship with God's people. Ephesians 4, verse 1 to 3 says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. If we're going to learn how to follow Jesus and our final calling, we can't do it without our secondary calling of doing it with God's people. If um, you know, Having support from people who are not blood relatives, who choose to come alongside us and help us muddle through life when it's tough, um, is just an act of love, and it's an incredible experience. You know, It's something that... You know, it's, it's where we show Jesus to each other. You know, we model who Jesus was to one another. And if you feel like something that's something you're missing in your life, join a midweek group. You know, shameful plug there. <laughs> join a midweek group because we, church doesn't have to be this place of just coming here and worshiping Him and going home and saying hi to our mates. You know, it's about people. It's about our community. And it's our family in Christ. And in the context context of a group or huddle where um, our huddles are our same-sex um, accountability groups of three or four people, you know, you can begin to, begin to discover more about who you are and what you were made for. And you can begin to answer that question I asked at the beginning of what were you supposed to be when you grow up? You know, what did you want to be? Um, and for me, you know, this is something that I really struggle with still. You know, my identity and my calling. Um, it's quite clear, I'll tell you about it later, you know, that God has put this calling on my life to do church, to be a church pastor, to church plant with Tom. And it's really, really tough. And it's really, really hard to not be kind of, not to just run away from it, because church is messy, church is hard, you know. Um, but if it wasn't for my support network, if it wasn't for the people who love me unconditionally, no matter what, I literally wouldn't be stood here right this second to you, talking to you right now. Because I had about 17 wobbles this week, guys, was it? Like, even yesterday, I was saying, I'm not doing this. I'm out. See you later. I'm not doing it. Um, but, you know, they prayed for me. They loved me through it. And they put me back together. And they told me the truth. And God even gave me a verse on my Bible app, um, my um, word for today, um, that was really significant to what I'm doing right now. You know, not losing my confidence and just to still be here. Um, and that's why we do church, because in a world filled with deception, we need each other to remind each other of the truth. The truth of who God is, the truth of who we are, and the truth of what we're called to do. 
We're also called to serve others. God has a revolutionary perspective on how we choose our jobs and our careers, and we understand and how we understand our purpose in this world. You know, according to His model, we shouldn't choose jobs to be just fulfilling and to bring us power and success, um, because relationship with Him should be enough. You know, and instead, God asks us to see our work in a way of um, as a way of serving others and shining his light on the world in order to um, for the people around us to experience his love and compassion so ask yourself this how can I with my abilities and opportunities be of greater service to God and to other people wherever you work and wherever you spend most of your time just do that with excellence just look to find out where it is that Jesus wants you to serve others now, be the difference in the lives of people around you. Say hello to the mum on the school run who looks like she's been up all night crying and has been completely and utterly stressed and shouting. This might be me on the, <laughs> on the school run. <laughs> it's not me. Um, you know, completely stressed and shouting at her children all morning. You know, say hello to her. Ask her how she is. Because the chances are that she's not had anybody ask her how she is for a long time. You know, um, talk to the colleague who everyone in the office seems to not like, thinks is weird or is difficult to work with. Love them anyway, you know. They are, you know, that's hard, you know. And sometimes it might be, you might be that person, but love yourself anyway, I'm joking. Um, you know, love that person anyway. Ask the homeless person if they want some food. Ask them what it is that they want and buy that thing that they want for them. Don't choose for them, ask them what they want. You know, and if you're self-employed, send, send your clients um, a money off voucher and a card telling, why, telling them why their custom is so important to you. You know, look around you and ask God to show you where you can be of service to those around you. And finally, we are called to particular tasks. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Jesus Christ to do good works, which, for which God prepared in advance for us to do. God asks people to do particular tasks, but how do we know which tasks they are? We don't see much overlap between what we want to do because of our passions um, with the opportunities that we're given to provide for us in paid work. You, know, you might have a mind of a philosopher or um, the potential to be the world's greatest guitar player, um, but actually if the opportunities to show your gifts and your talents aren't there through, through paid work, then we have to get another job because we need to put food on the table, don't we? Um, <laughs> sometimes, yes, I know. Sometimes, you know, our discontent may be the result of God nudging us to move from success to significance. The Holy Spirit might be saying to you that your gifts aren't making for making huge amounts of money, you know, but actually, therefore, the skills become a really great teacher and to inspire your kids, you know, and to um, work on behalf of trafficking victims, or to just do something else that will positively impact the world um, that's been on your heart for years doesn't matter what it is. And like I said earlier, Tom and I have been lucky enough to know that this is our calling from um, early on in our marriage. I think we've been married four months and God told Tom that we're going to plant the church in 18 months. That's a whole other story and come and ask me about it another time. But, you know, it took eight years, eight jobs, three churches, one university degree, five places to live, one dog and two children, from the moment that God told us that to get to where we are now. And whilst in the grand scheme of things, that isn't a long time. Some of you may have been waiting for 40, 30, 40 years, you know, you know. But actually, you know, it's, it's where we've been and it's where we are now. And, and to, at times it's still for us, you know, and for Tom especially at the moment with his job, you know, it's a time where, you know, it's, it's really unfulfilling. 
um, but it's necessary to enable us to get to where we where we are now. You know, whether it's financially or through lessons that we've learned, through loving people we never expected to turn up on our doorstep, or plain and simply just God making preparations that we weren't aware of until we looked back and the penny dropped. That was what you were doing. I see it now. You know. Um, and Cassia Adams at the National Leaders Conference in January said, God is calling us to change the world. When we play it small or deny who we are, we run into problems because God has chosen us to u- chosen to use us as a platform for his presence in the nations. So don't think of yourself as ins- insignificant, small, or unworthy to do God's work, because that's not true. The truth is, is that you are a beloved child of God and with a specific calling from him. And if you're feeling full of discontent, discontent frustration, or unable to see where there may be a breakthrough in your circumstances, then it may be that just God placed you in a training ground. You know, or that he's doing something, he's preparing the way for you that you can't see at the moment. You know, either way, just take this scripture and hold on to it tight, because this is the one that God gave me this week for me to do this. Um, it's Hebrews 10, verse 35 to 36. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised.